Welcome back into another episode of the All Ball Podcast. George and I in this one are going to be discussing a few takeaways we had from week three like we do with every week. Then we'll transition and discuss a few of the marquee games in week four. I think six of them for this one before we head into our best bets of the week where yet again, another winning week for us. And if you've been tailing the pot, you've been making some good money and we hope to continue that hot streak heading into week four. But before that, I got something to get off my chest about the Giants. So that's how we're going to start this podcast off. So before we get into week three and some takeaways we had from the past week's slate of games, I got to get into the Giants. I mean, this is a team I root for, and I'm not normally the guy that's like a homer for them. I mean, I went into this season taking the under on them in their wins of seven. I didn't think they were a team that realistically or really I thought was going to go to the playoffs. But what this team and organization has come down to is an absolute abomination. I mean, I was already a pessimist, like I said, and I didn't think that. I didn't think they were necessarily making the playoffs, but I also didn't think they were going 0-3 and the manner in which they've done it. I mean, they're undisciplined in key spots. We saw that with the football team game. We've seen that in key spots with the Falcons game where they drop picks. They just, at unopportune times, were not able to come up with key plays. And then the defense just hasn't really shown up. And this was the calling card for this team that when you came into the season, I remember when we previewed the Giants, this was a team that that were like, okay, this defense is the backbone and you're hoping the offense can can really uplift this team to reach the ceiling. And they haven't gotten that. Didn't expect in those two key spots for them to be really as bad as they are. But I did expect Jason Garrett to hold them back. And he has completely done that. I mean, since becoming offensive coordinator, they are 31st in points per game, 31st in explosive pass plays, 30th in points per drive, 28th in yards per play. I can go on and on. There are every metric that I could show you shows that Jason Garrett is a bad offensive coordinator for the Giants and has been. And you go into last week, I'm like, I picked the Giants minus three as one of my bets. I felt super sure about it. I thought that Falcons team was awful. I mean, through two weeks, they had given up 80 combined points to the Eagles, whose offense is still well, we still TBD of what they really are. But they were looked explosive as hell against, against the Falcons going up and down the field against them. And then Tampa, who obviously we know is an explosive offense. But it's more so the fact that, between those two teams, it's not like Tampa put up 60 and the and Philly put up 20. It was like they both put up 32 and, th- and um, 48. Uh, that both those teams put up over 30. And if you told me the Giants defense held Atlanta to 17 points, I would have put the mortgage on Giants minus three. I didn't think there was any way that they were not going to score at least 20. But you know what? They did because Jason Garrett's conservative play calling where they had one deep pass attempt the entire game, which was completed. They had won the entire game that went, I think, above 20 yards that they had that whole game. Joe Judge's conservative decision-making where, I mean, punting it on fourth and two on the opponent's 39, are you kidding me? At least go for the field goal, but punt it for the field position game? Like, what the hell are we doing here? This this whole mantra of we're going to skip by, we're going to get by and win these games by the skin of our teeth each and every week. And we're, that's how we're going to, we're going to, we're going to like eke out wins and we're just going to grind them out. That's not how you go about winning in the NFL consistently. And especially when you have a team as bad as the giants are. And those are major reasons why the team sits at 0 and three. And you know what? I'll get into Dave Gettleman right now. Who's had, you know, great draft position for three of the four draft, four drafts. He picked second, he picked fourth, he picked sixth in three drafts. And then this past year, you know, the, not a slouch, the 12th overall pick. And he's drafted one pro bowler. 
and it's Saquon Barkley, a running back that you took second overall. He hasn't fixed either the offensive or defensive lines. He hasn't found productive players in adequate hit rate, and he has used premium picks on non-premium players like Saquon Barkley, like Dexter Lawrence for the interior defensive line. And he has had the liberty to spend as much, if not more, than pretty much any other GM in free agency because he's had a rookie a rookie quarterback on his low-cost deal. And they've also had an owner that allows him to go over the luxury tax threshold. And it has resulted in a 15-36 and 36 record, no playoff appearances, another year of being near the bottom of the league, and no room for optimism at all for the fan base. So, John Mara, sack the hell up. Fire Dave Gettleman, clean house. Get up to the 21st century, embrace analytics, and start to embrace the idea of information of how to better your team and how to better the efficiency of which this team is run. I mean, you got to fire Jason Garrett because he's inept at his job. I went through the numbers. I can go through a, I can go through so many more to show how bad he is at his job. Joe Judge, you're on the hot seat. I, I, I thought going into the season, we had a coach that you could really have your have his back and know that you have a coach for the next 10, 15 years, whatever. But his conservative moves to hope to sneak by and win at these games by the skin of your teeth is just not how you're going to win. Wake the hell, the whole organization just needs to wake the hell up because it's absolutely atrocious that they have gotten themselves into this situation. That, that's my rant. Well done. Yeah, well done. You know, um, you know, I, I think I think it could be said that uh, that, you know, if a couple of things have broke differently, you know, especially in the football team game, then a bit in the Falcons game, too, they could be two and one. But, you know, I remember you and I years ago. Had, had conversations about how, oh, like the Giants lose all these games by set, like, you know, less than seven. And if this, this and that had broken the other way, they'd be, you know, 11 and five. And, and I think at a certain point, you know, if you're a team that tends to lose a lot of close games, and it's probably for a reason that, you know, it's the same reason the Seahawks tend to win a lot because they have something that allows them to win. And the Giants are sort of the other end of the spectrum. It's no coincidence that they managed to lose most of the close games they play in. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's bad. I mean, you look at the Giants and had it not been for those two teams that won the Super Bowl, right? No seven and 11 when they were, you know, nine, seven, 10 and six, whatever. Um, then, this franchise would have been a disaster our entire lifetime, really. But because of those two magical years, you know, you get a pass. But then you look at the past decade, it's been really bad. I mean, it's been Jets level bad, honestly, um, to compare it to the other New York team. But the difference is the Giants have some sort of like expectations and some dignity to them. So, you know, what we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, and yeah, they're just sort of in the same spot they were. And, and the funny thing is, I still don't think you can make a decision either way on Daniel Jones, who I thought has played like pretty solidly. So, you know, you know, maybe you get rid of Gettleman, but um, maybe you get rid of Garrett. But yeah, you know, I don't think you get rid of Judge yet. And I don't think you get rid of Jones yet. So you're kind of stuck where you are unless you do something drastic. I think Garrett and Gettleman should be gone. They should have been gone already. I mean, uh, by Monday morning, they should have been gone. Joe Judge has the rest of the season to, to figure out and show that he's an actual coach. And the same way with Daniel Jones, he has the ability or the he has the rest of the season to show that he can be a franchise caliber quarterback. I just hate the idea that you're stuck like, OK, he's been playing fine, but I, I don't want fine. I want the guys that you're looking at like, OK, we can go in week in, week out. I know I have I'm not saying they have to be at Aaron Rodgers level, but I want an Aaron Rodgers level quarterback. I want I want a guy that's at that caliber where it's like I go in and I'm like, okay, I know I got one of the premier guys. I want a guy that's like Justin Herbert, where I go and I know I can give this guy the ball in Kansas City with the draw, like leading up to the last play of the game, or they're tied late in the game, and I know I can put faith into him, and I don't have to play for the field goal like they did. 
and it's also about uh, like i'll relay it back to what you were early saying about how we were talking about like the one possession games it's the fact that they're losing to bad teams like they're these are close games but these are bad teams that they're losing to uh, or they're even in these close games again so it's not even about the fact like it, 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 yeah, they're close games that they're losing, but these aren't good teams. It's the same way when they ended the season. Now that you look back at it, like the, all that momentum they had going in and like to the season, like, oh, they ended the year really strong. Those were against bad teams. They beat the football team twice. They beat a couple of guys that weren't good. They beat Andy Dalton as the, as the starting quarterback for the Cowboys. They beat teams where the quarterbacks were not good. So it wasn't like they were beating good teams. So, and that was just the fallacy that, that we fell into or that Giants fans, I guess, fell into into giving this team expectations heading into the season. And they shouldn't have been there. But, you know, that we'll, we'll see how this team responds going into this week. I'm, they're, they're like they're eight point underdogs at New Orleans. Um, it could get ugly. The next seven games are pretty, pretty bleak for their record. They, they might be a team that's 0 and 10 come week 10. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think they will be underdogs in every single one of the, the next seven games. Maybe not. Maybe I, I think they have the Eagles sprinkled in there. So maybe they're, they won't be, but it might be just a pick them at that point, depending on if it's home or away. So some takeaways we had from week three, I was just talking about Justin Herbert and, you know, the rookie quarterbacks that we've seen, the struggles across the board, I, I think amplify how good and how insane Justin Herbert's rookie year was. So the rookies thus far, J Trevor Lawrence, 670 yards, 54% completion percentage, five touchdowns, seven picks. Wilson, 55% completion percentage, 630 yards, two touchdowns, seven picks. Fields, we saw we saw Sunday. That was just brutal. 68 yards, 30% completion percentage, zero touchdowns, one pick. Mac Jones, 67.5% completion percentage, 737 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Justin Herbert through three games had the mo more yards than all those guys, a significantly higher completion percentage than most of them and a, a slightly higher than Mac at 72% completion percentage and five touchdowns, three interceptions. So he is by, he would be by far and away the best rookie quarterback. And it was just insane to see because it's not like he had a good offensive line. He actually had one of the worst, if not the worst offensive lines. He had a bad head coach, in my opinion, Anthony Lynn. So it's not like he had really like advantageous there. And look, he had good weapons with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter, Henry, Austin Eckler. But it's not like any of these guys really have slouches for the most part. I guess you could say Zach Wilson, but I mean, Corey Davis is pretty solid. Um, I think Elijah Moore is a good, a good rookie wide receiver. I'd say Wilson has the real uh, beefed or real saying where you could say this guy doesn't have good weapons, but mm. I don't think any of them have really bad weapons and, you know, I came out of this weekend. I really think that Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert is this generation's Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. And we get them in the same division now. We're twice a year. We will see that. I think these are the two premier guys at the position. I think you could argue maybe Josh Allen, but I really think Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes are the two guys that will be going head to head for the next decade plus where you're like, one of these guys is going to the Super Bowl this next year. Yeah. Well, you know, if you remember last week, I was talking about how I needed the Chargers to show me that they could you know, score enough points. And, and I thought they, I thought they did that um, really aggressive play calling down the stretch with the, with the fourth down calls and all that, which I thought was honestly not smart, but, you know, of course it paid off for them. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is about Herbert that I can't get as much on board with it as everybody else. You know, I like the guy, I think he's good, but like, um, man, like people love him, which I'm not quite there yet, but, you know, I like the guy, uh, and, you know, he's probably, you know, top 10 guy now, top five now for me. Um, yeah, you know, I was impressed. I definitely was impressed. Still not, you know, quite as on board with him like everybody else is, but I, I like the guy. 
Um, I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting. They didn't go for the field goal, but that's also just faith in your quarterback. And there were there was like wind stuff there that like they missed the extra point after that touchdown. They scored to take the yeah. 30 to 24 lead. And you did you did say like I need them to score 30 plus, and that's what they needed to do to win that game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, they 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 ended up scoring the 30, and I'm still not, and I'm still sort of like a bit uh, reluctant because you know what that 30 was like. Not to take a look, 30 points is 30, but. You know, they had so many turnovers, the Chiefs did, that it was like all the field position and stuff like that. Um, I still don't think that they're like, you know, so, like as, as good as the Chiefs offensively. Um, I'll, right, give him so, some time. I'll give him some time in that regard. But I, I think quarterback-wise, I think he he's right there at top seven. I won't put him in the top five, but I'll put him top seven to top ten. I think he needs yeah, to, to show him more no, consistently to get into that top five. But the, the, like from what we've seen from him, there, there's no doubt in my mind he will reach that top five. But, yeah, but people would have you believe that he's already like number two in the league, which, which I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, anyway, so I'll make I'll relate my first takeaway to this and that um, I'm changing my AFC pick. Uh, you know, you and I were talking last week and I was basically like, you know, I'm just going to go with Bucks over Chiefs again. Um, the Chiefs have a problem. The Chiefs have a real problem. And, and I think it stems from – We've seen it two weeks in a row now. Teams are essentially saying, look, no matter what we do against Kelsey, he's still going to get he's still going to get yards. But we're going to stick two guys on Tyreek at all times and make you beat us with Pringle and Demarcus and, you know, whoever else. So um, Hill's been really bad the past two weeks. Right. It's, you know, games of like two, three, four receptions for like 20 yards, 30 yards. And um, and, you know, the Chiefs look terrible on offense. I mean, you know, considering what we're used to seeing them at. Uh, Edward Solaire can't hold on to the ball. Um, and Mahomes is doing stupid stuff. You know, a lot of these, like, you love him when he's aggressive, but all of a sudden it's like turnovers are coming from it. And, you know, that's not what we're used to seeing. This team's in serious trouble. And then the Bills, on the other hand, the Bills really got going. I'm ready to throw out the week one performance and just say it is what it is. Um, the Steelers have some defensive talent and they got the best of them that day. Uh, but I think, you know, they played against the Dolphins and the, uh, and the football team who, you know, maybe they're not the top five defenses we thought they were, but they're at least both of them are upper half defenses. Um, and they've scored like, you know, 70, 78 points between the, between the two games. So, um, so man, I just, I think they're good. I think they're good. I think they're back. I think they added a lot of defensive talent. Um, and I think the Chiefs are in trouble. And so with that said, you know, the Bills are sort of the team that's left for me is the best one. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go updated pick would be Bucks over the Bills. I mean, look, the, yeah, the Chiefs offense, they've they've been sloppy with the ball. That, that's really what it is. I mean, that first Mahomes pick, the no looker, like that, that should have been caught by the guy, but obviously sloppy on him to do the no look pass, but he, the guy should have caught it. The second one, the one that set up that gave the Chargers the ball where they were able to then drive down the field and score that touchdown and take the late lead. I mean, that was a bad throw. That's like a James or like Zach Wilson thing where it's like, I'm going to get sacked. I'm just going to like pull this shit off anyway. And, like, yeah. and he had, and he had that same type of type of interception against the Ravens late in la- late last game where it looked yeah. like they were in control. And then they kind he kind of let him in with that sloppiness. And, you know, I, I will, I will say uh, I'm not going to panic enough where I'd put the bills over them. I, I want to see Josh Allen take, like he, he took down two good defenses or put up a lot of points against them, but it's not like you really had to like sweat out like, Oh, is this offense going to, is this offense going to meet me score for score where you have to like kind of in the back of your head kind of see that. I will say that those are still two upper half 
defenses. So it's still not easy to move the ball and score the amount of points that they did. But I think it's a different mindset when you got another guy across from you that's like, okay, I got to go shot for shot with him. And, yeah, but, and I do agree that the Steelers one, I don't know. That was one of the weird ones. That was that and the, the Saints game. The, those were just two weird outcomes where it, it's week one. You have the whole offseason to prepare for it. And it's just, you know, I, I, I'll take that with kind of a grain of salt. It, it, it happened, but it's not going to impact the whole trajectory of what I think these teams are. Cause I still think the Packers are good. I still think this, and I still think um, the bills are very good and they're probably the second or third best team in the conference as a whole. Right. Um, for me, my, my next one is Dallas is the clear best, best team in the NFC East. Um, I mean, the other three teams, I was talking about the Giants before, how bad they are. The other two teams, Philly and the football team, they're just really flawed. I mean, all three offenses are below average. And I don't think any of the defenses are that much better than Dallas is who has teamed to take a step up. I mean, they, they've got players there. I, from what we've seen the first three weeks, they're, they're pretty stout. And they've got the only elite unit in the whole division, which is their offense. And it feels like they can roll out of bed and score 24 whenever they want to. They've got the weapons. They've got the quarterback. They've got the offensive line that is now healthy and playing at an elite level like we had expected them to. And Kellen Moore is a guy that will probably be up for some head coaching jobs because he's been so good calling plays there and being so innovative with it. And this is the only team that looks like they could even survive in the playoffs and without getting blown out, they've had two games against two playoff caliber teams against the chargers and the bucks. They held their own and they've gone toe to toe with them. And look, then they go into Monday night against the Eagles and they just absolutely steamroll them Mm -hmm. for the most part. And while the rest of the division just continues to falter where the football team can't seem to get a semblance of an offensive game, obviously, because they have a backup quarterback, but their defense hasn't shown up the same way with the giants defense hasn't shown up. Offense continues to falter. And then the Eagles, we don't know what they're really, their offense is because that chart, uh, that, that was the most frustrating part. We don't know what their offense is because the Falcons defense is so bad. And that kind of speaks volumes to the giants that they weren't able to put up yeah. numbers against them. But it's like, I don't know what, what that offense is. They put up 11 against the 49ers. 49ers have a pretty solid defense. And then the, the Cowboys, who seem to have a pretty solid defense as well, they only put they put up, what, 17? No, or the, the, the offense isn't – the offense just isn't that good, I feel like. It, it, and it's just like um, there wasn't enough motion. Sanders only had two running attempts, which is just, like, insanely low. Um, and we can't throw the ball downfield. It, it, it's, it's pretty bad. So, you know, we'll see. I definitely agree with what you said about the Cowboys. And I think the biggest thing is I think we knew the offense would be good, but the defense for me has been like, you know, a, a B minus unit when we thought they might've been like a, a D plus unit. Right. So now all of a sudden you're working with one of the best offenses in the league and what could be a league average defense. Right. I mean, they clearly have some talent and they've been, you know, making plays and all that stuff. Um, I don't think it's that bad to hold the bucks to 30 and, uh, you know, for the most part, they shut the Eagles down for most of the game. They they held the Chargers pretty well too. Um, so I think they have, I think they have a very solid team. You know, I think all of a sudden you look at the Cowboys and given their schedule, I, you know, I do think they could win ten, maybe eleven games. That's where it's like I remember we were talking about it uh, a couple weeks ago or last week, where you were like, it's not it's not about shutting teams down to ten to seven to thirteen points. It's about can you hold them to twenty and can you be opportunistic with it? And that's what this defense has been. They this. With this offense, you don't need to hold teams to to those numbers of those low numbers below the 20s. You just need to hold them from stopping stopping them from scoring 31 plus, and that's what this defense has been able to do. And that that's where, yeah, we we under we underestimate them. I think the whole league, the whole the whole league did, or just all of uh, 
people that kind of look at the NFL because they, they got to show before they can, before you can believe in, they have done it against two really good offenses. And then, you know, the Eagles are still out, uh, still TBD for that. Yep. All right. So, so my last takeaway is about, you know, the value or the importance of an early season schedule. And this mostly applies to teams that are in the call it, you know, the middle tier of the league, right? So that your 10th to 20th best teams, more or less your teams that could be in the playoffs, but also could not be. And so I just think that, you know, there's a certain feeling that you get when you're on, you know, a three and O team versus when you're on a one and two team. And even if that's because your schedule has been more difficult and stuff like that, you know, your players start to buy in and you start to believe that you're a good team. Right. So you look at, you look at um, like the Panthers, for example, right? They've played, they played the Jets, they played the depleted Saints, and they played the Texans. Um, that's a really bad schedule. But at the end of the day, the fact is that they're three and zero, and you know they sort of believe in themselves. And all of a sudden, they're looking towards the playoffs. Now, if they had an early schedule like the Chiefs have had, for example, where they played, you know, the Chargers, the Browns, and the Ravens, there's a good chance that they're zero and three, probably one and two at best. And it's sort, of, it's just such a different outlook on the season. Um, now it's possible, you know, they might play those three games later, but you'd rather have them later in the season. Um, you know, so like the Colts, for example, you know, as we've discussed many times, they have a really difficult uh, early season schedule. And we know that, you know, we accept that, that, um, that they might go, you know, one in five and they would still have a chance to make the playoffs, especially if the Titans don't have a great season. But with that said, like, you know, the fact is that they're that like, as it stands now, they're a bad team. They're, um, you know, like they're in, they're in trouble because just because of the nature of their schedule. Um, and, and it doesn't get a lot easier looking at them, you know, the dolphins this week and the Ravens next week, and they're already on three. So, um, and then, you know, another team I look at is, is the Cardinals, right? So I think, I think Kyler Murray, you know, is having a great season so far, but I also think you, you've played the Jaguars, you've played the Vikings and you've played the Titans. So it's pretty good teams to play against if you want to put up a lot of points and look good, feel good about your offense. Um, whereas like a guy like Stafford, you know, not that I'm comparing the two of them for MVP voting or for anything else. And he's played the Colts, Bears, and uh, Bucks, and he's looked good too, right? And these are much tougher opponents. So, um, and then well, one more team I'll throw out there is the Broncos, um, right? They played New York, New York, and uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean that's. That's probably the easiest one. I think Carolina and them, when you consider that Carolina played the COVID-ridden Saints and the the Davis Mills Texans, it's close. It's very tough. It's very tough. I mean, and and both teams are 3-0. And so so let me flip it this way. Which of those two teams do you believe in more? I I probably would say the Broncos. In just a vacuum or just – or in their division to to make the playoffs? Well, well, mm, if they're playing each other neutral site, who would you take? I'd probably go. I'd probably go with the Broncos just because I think their defenses and also like we'll get into the Carolina off the bat, but you know they lost some. They lost J.C. Horn to an injury. I think that's pretty massive. And given their question marks in the secondary, I don't think Denver necessarily has the issues when it comes to defensively. Uh, where Denver they get the lost. Stops. Uh, I mean, Jerry Carolina Judy, but they yeah, but they lost and Carolina lost McCaffrey. Yeah, and then uh, and then Denver lost a bunch of guys. But you know, just to bring it just to bring it back and finish up this point is basically like look for the. For the truly great teams, it's probably better to actually have a difficult schedule off rip because let's say a couple of things go different in the Chiefs game or, well, the Chiefs are already such a proven team, but, you know, I'll use them anyway. Like, um, it's not the end of the world that they're one and two. 
But had they been two and one, three and oh, everyone already knows they're the best team in the league. Um, you know, and, and so for these teams that like really want to be the best, uh, I think you're better off actually playing the good teams. But, um, you know, so this is more in that in that window, right? Are you going to be the Colts? You're going to be the Broncos. You're going to be the Panthers. You're going to be, you know, another one of these teams that that um, has just, you know, been uh, ridden with a tough schedule. So I think it's, you know, super, super important when you're trying to establish yourself as a playoff team and you're sort of in that fringe area. I, I completely agree. I mean, we saw with Carolina and we'll see with Carolina this upcoming week against Dallas, how they look against like a competent team. But I mean, we, we talked about the Colts outline. We outlined the Colts heading into the season that they would have a tough schedule and it doesn't get easier really till the back half of it. But to, to set the tone and set where your team's expectations are for the whole season, unless you're a proven team like the Chiefs, it, where you start is really important. And obviously I think the Colts still – I don't think it's the end of the world there because also the division that they're in, but it's somewhere where, you know, you start off to that slow start and you, you just kind of hope that you're, you're hanging by that hang in there. Like you're, you're able to kind of tread water in that tough spot when you're one of those good teams, but we were trying to like pick up these new pieces where Carson Wentz is coming in, where you've got new guys coming in you're trying to formulate a new offense really there starting off on, on a high note is I think pretty pivotal, but when you're one of those proven teams and you're going against these tough matchups, kind of out of the gate it, it can set the tone for you where you are the chiefs um and you know that you're a good team but if you can come out and kind of and start out two and one three and oh obviously they weren't able to because of some just a few things that didn't bounce their way but it, it, it sets a tone for you so i agree so we'll we'll kick off week four previews right now with carolina going to dallas dallas right now may favored by four and, you know, the Cowboys, like we were talking about before with their defense, the, the thing that jumps out to me is they got some players on that side of the ball. We talked about yeah. Micah, who looks like an absolute stud, and he's playing edge right now instead of Mike Linebacker like he did in college. And, yeah, he was he was recruited as a defensive edge rusher um, and a five-star one and probably, I think, the top, the top defensive recruit in the country when he was coming out of high school. But, you know, uh, not playing any really any of that in college and going into the NFL and playing as well as he did or as he has, it's insane. He's so dynamic, so versatile and how he can use him. And off the bat, he's just been amazing. And then you look at Trayvon Diggs and he looks like he's taking a step up and they might have found something here with a second year corner. And, you know, I, I think he was fast. He's long. He's got good ball skills and that pick six. I mean, Outside of Devontae even just falling and slipping, it's not just about that. I thought he had a great break on the ball, and he would have made a play on it regardless. I don't know if it was been a pick or a pick six or just a pass breakup, but he was just all over the field. It felt like whenever they threw at him, it resulted in an incompletion. And then Carolina, you know, their defense is also no slash. They got players, but they lost J.C. Horn to a broken foot last week against the Houston Texans, and now they bring in Dante or Dante Jackson, who's been solid and on their team, but now they bring in C.J. Henderson from the Jags, and they'll need him to step in and step up. But so I'm going with Dallas in this one. Uh, I think the offense is clicking. Dak is in, looks in control and no CMC for Carolina. It gives me pause to see how Darnold operates because they've been good uh, on defense, uh, but they haven't again played against those top elite uh, guys or even really average offenses when they, when you rattled off the team names, the jets, the giants and the, or not the, no, not them. They, when they played against the COVID ridden, Saints, where they were missing all their uh, offensive coaches or a bunch of them. They played against the Texans with Davis Mills, and then they played, but they play or they played the Jets week one. So we don't we don't really know. And Dallas is, <laughs> I don't think it goes. I think it goes without saying they're much better than those three teams, especially on the offensive end. And you know, 
I'm interested to see how Darnold operates without Christian McCaffrey because he's so vital to kind of them moving the ball on offense. And he's such a good safety outlet and also somebody you can run your offense through because they've been good both in pass and run when it comes to um, their DVOA rankings. And that's with Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, I'm just I've got a back deck over Darnold here. And especially when Darnold hasn't had to been losing games or hasn't had the offense on the other end where you're like, okay, this is a team that I think I have to go shot for shot for. Yep. Yeah. I got to go with the, I got to go with the, uh, I gotta go with the uh, Cowboys as well, just because, you know, like you said, they, they're a lot more tested. Um, I thought that the, the Panthers gave me some reason for concern. You know, I thought on the Thursday night game, as soon as McCaffrey went out, um, Chubba Hubbard was incapable of getting more than a yard on every rush. And eventually, you know, later in the game, it started to, you know, break down a little bit and he started to get some movement, but um, you know, I will say I liked the move for the Panthers to go out and get CJ Henderson. I thought it was, you know, got him for a pretty good deal. I mean, I know. I, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, I know that CJ Henderson has been good or bad. I really don't. But um, you know, I mean, end of the day, top 10 pick talented guy, like and, second year to second yeah. year, like, yeah, exactly. exactly. I think 100% worth the shot. I mean, what, you know, what a way to just get a quick replacement in there. And then when Horn comes back, well, then, hey, you both of them. So I thought that was really good. Um, with that said, you know, you know for, for the reasons you said, especially about like the schedule and all that, I just I go with the Cowboys. Now, the one thing you could argue for the for the Panthers is that they have a lot more rest, right, because they played on Thursday night and the Cowboys played on Monday night. I mean, that's a pretty huge discrepancy right there. So, you know, that's something that I'll point to if the Panthers uh ended up winning the game um and honestly enough now that i think about it to make me take panther spread you know plus four but at the end of the day to win us to the cowboys yeah i mean it, that is a good point because the the later rest time is a huge factor and especially when you have a team coming off a long week like the uh like the like the panthers are but you know it's just darnold i like I, i'm a darnold guy i think he's looked really good out of the gate obviously albeit against defenses that you know might be a little sus um, but against Dak, I, I just can't take that discrepancy in, uh, indifference for that. And especially given, you know, the, the people that they're missing on Carolina side to feel good about the, the plus four. So next up, we got the Rams versus the Cardinals Rams right now favored by four, two of the top three MVP front runners in this one, Kyler plus according to DraftKings, Kyler is plus seven fifty right now. He's the favorite and Stafford is tied with Mahomes for second at plus 800. And you know, both these teams three and out in the toughest division in the NFL for me, the key is Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury because the main knock on the Cardinals heading into the season was their quarter, their head coach was probably the worst in the division. And Sean McVay is the best in the NFC West, in my opinion, and probably a top five to seven coach in the NFL. And whether or not Cliff Kingsbury in this particular game, I'm not saying in every week he needs to be as good or better than Sean McVay, but in this week, can he be as good as him? I'm not so sure. And when I looked at the DVOA rankings for these teams, I mean, we saw, we, we outlined last week, the Rams, they needed to go super pass heavy versus Tampa. And they did. They, they went super pass heavy. They went 60, 40 split. And it's probably, it probably skewed a little bit more towards the run towards the later half of the game when they had the lead. 
Arizona, on the other hand, is more of a team that you want to attack through the run game, but I still expect them to go pass heavy because they know what they got in Stafford and those weapons. And I'd rather put it in his hands than Sony Michelle in that run game and their first and pass DVOA. So I'm picking the Rams in large part because I think their quarterback head coach combo is just a lot better than Arizona. And that's despite the fact that I think Kyler and 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 Stafford are pretty on the same, pretty much equal to me in standing as they are right now. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Cardinals should have lost last week, honestly. Uh, you know, it, had it not been the Jaguars, um, they probably would have, right? But the, the way that it went and just, uh, you know, I mean, they, admittedly they got rolling in the third and fourth, but I, I think they should have lost. Um, they ended up even covering too, which is remarkable. But, Crazy. Um, but didn't cover the over, just slightly. Yeah, 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 true. Um, yeah, even, even a kick six couldn't help me out there. Uh, but, you know... I, I agree with what you said for the most part, right? It's, it's tough, right? Because all the best teams in the league, especially in the NFC, right? You know, with the exception of, I mean, I guess the 49ers, although the run offense hasn't looked that good this year. And then, you know, the, the uh, Ravens and the Browns are the two teams you really look at. All the teams that are good pass are pass first. I mean, naturally. Um, so that's well-suited for the Rams in the NFC. Very well-suited. So, you know, for that, I like it. I will say, like, sometimes Kyler makes it look really easy as far as, like, running all over people it's a bit different than Lamar because Lamar for me is like a almost like a pure speed thing and Kyler's just sort of like a like it's like a quickness thing or like I you know like an evasiveness um like agility you know whatever you want to call it uh I think for sure he'd lose Lamar in like 40 yard dash but the guy's really fast and he gets away from guys pretty easily so um like you know I think of that one forget if it was a third or fourth down right but the fake handoff and then he just like ran around the like the edge um, are you yeah. talking about in this past game against the Jags or, or yeah, uh, yeah, I remember yeah. the I remember the Titans one where they had him like five times and then like he he like he like ran around from the right side of the field to the left side of the field he's planted his feet and he found uh Christian Kirk I think on a third or fourth no this down. one I'm talking about like a, a designed like QB keeper here oh, okay. it, was like a, it was like a play action like bootleg and he just like went around easy untouched oh is um, it for the touchdown yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um so like anyway you know with, with that said I I noticed that the spreads come down from like six to four, which is a little bit surprising. Um, I mean, six was too much though, admittedly, because the Cardinals are good too. I got to take the Rams. Uh, I probably take Cardinals spread though, right? Cause the, you know, the Rams have been in some close games and uh, the Cardinals seem to have an ability to hang in there. So Cardinals spread Rams game. Yeah. Kyler, Kyler's just a different animal where you're looking at him. Like he's, he's got that running ability more so than what maybe like you see for, or definitely I think more so than like a Mahomes, but like he's also got the playmaking from from the pocket where he's able to dice you up from different arm angles and all that. I would I would put him like it's t- <laughs> it's weird to put him at the same tier as like Mahomes or just compare him. But he's got more of the rushing ability. But like I think obviously slightly less of the uh, the passing ability. But he, he's a guy from both angles or from both aspects. He can he can kill you and he's absolutely deadly. And it's it's so tough to even bring him down in sacks. I, I think in part because he's so small. I mean, he's like five eight or whatever. Um, yeah, but what I, I am interested to see. I think for for the rent for the Cardinals to cover, I think they need production out of DeAndre Hopkins. And I know that's not like a slouch thing or a surprising thing to say, but he'll be going up against Jalen Ramsey for most of the afternoon. And I think in just general, 
this Rams de- uh, secondary can be really, le- really deadly when it comes to suffocating offenses and just looking for that outlet. I know they've got a bunch of guys, whether it's AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, but you, you really can't get that. You can't get that zero or that two catch 20 yard effort from DeAndre Hopkins. Like we know Jalen Ramsey's capable of holding him to um, when you've got an explosive offense like the Rams do on the off- on the other side. Next up, we have got Seattle versus San Fran right now. San Fran minus three. What, what do you think about this game? Yeah, I think um, I think Seattle. I, I can't even. I'm not even going to sit here and be like, "Oh, Seattle's in trouble," right? Because I just feel like it's the same old Seattle. I do think they sort of confirmed that they're not going to win the Super Bowl, but it, you know, it's like look, they're going to score a lot of points. They're going to let up a lot of points. They're going to end up eking out these close games. Although that didn't happen, you know, the Titans one is a real like. There, there are a couple, you know, mi- mixed up like things and this and that away from being two and one. And so I, I don't think it's panic button time at all. I just think that they're, you know, the exact same team that they've been. Um, right. So it's not enough for me to call it either way. I think the 49ers are good. Um, not quite great. I think they probably should have won last week against Green Bay, but you could argue Green Bay should have won too. End of the day, someone's going to win unless it's a tie, which doesn't happen that often. Um, I think. I kind of want to pick Seattle, honestly. I just think, um, you know, like Seattle has a tendency to get in the shootouts. And if they're able to, uh, you know, San Fran scored 20 last week. Can they score more than that? I'm not really sure. I know in their Super Bowl year, they were putting up 50, 50 spots and stuff like that. But I don't really see them as that team at all. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll go Seattle. Yeah, I mean, that was a brutal loss for San Fran in week three, uh, last week or on Sunday night against Green Bay. I, I don't know who it would have been more brutal for because, yeah, Green Bay had the lead going into that or like a big lead. One of those had. ones where both teams like argue, like might think that they should have won. Yeah, I mean, I, look, like that last drive, the, the first pass that Rodgers had to Devontae Adams where it just got over Fred Warner's hands, like that was insane. But the second yeah. one, Devontae Adams is wide the hell open over the middle of the field to set up that field goal. I thought it was just way too easy. Um we all know where we all knew where Rodgers was going. And that was just the crazy part. You knew he was going to Vontan. You know, he wasn't going to Marcus Valdez Scantling. And it's not like they can get Aaron Jones, the ball where they're going to get sizable amount of yards out of the backfield. Um, for this one, I feel like the, these games, these matchups between San Fran and Seattle are always so close. And they, and this feels like it's destined for Russ to have the ball, to be driving, to end the game with a chance to win. And I, I think he gets it done because that's just who he is. I don't think he's going to lose three games in a row with, him at quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo on the opposite end, who still is just, you know, it's TBD whether or not he can even muster enough offense or just be uh, capable enough to take advantage of a Seattle defense that hasn't been good. And San Fran's pass defense is average, while Seattle's pass offense is third in DVOA and one of the elites in the NFL. I, I just think, I think I trust Russ to take advantage of San Fran's average to below average pass secondary compared to Jimmy Garoppolo taking advantage of a, a bottom-tier Seattle I think, defense. I, th- I think Jimmy G right now might be like the, um, the like equator line uh, of QBs in the league right now for me. I think he's like, you know, if you're better than him, then you're an above-average QB. If you're worse than him, then you're probably a below-average QB. So, you know, which is you know, not a terrible place to be. Um, obviously, the Niners drafted Lance because they want, you know, higher upside. But for me, he's like right about at that league average spot. Because he's been solid, you know, but obviously not amazing. And that's where it's like, I'll tie back into what I was talking about the Giants. I don't want, like, no team should want average. No team should want Jimmy Garoppolo level quarterback play from that position because 
no matter if if Jimmy Garoppolo, I know he's getting paid twenty five million. If he had a contract up at like last season or whatever, he would have been paid into the thirties. So like yeah. the difference between him and like a Deshaun Watson, a Dak Prescott, a Lamar Jackson, a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, it's ten to fifteen million dollars, and that is not the gap between their impact on the game. And that's the uh, that's where it's like. I, I give props to San Fran for not settling for that and being like, we need to go get a guy that's going to be the difference maker there. I don't necessarily th- think that Jimmy will be that in this game. Well, maybe, maybe we could see Trey Lance if he, uh, if he struggles enough, if Jimmy struggles enough against Seattle, but well, as we've seen from the other rookie quarterbacks, that might not, might not be the best case scenario for them. Yeah, You know, it, it, it's, it's a lot like uh, it's a lot like the NBA, you know, that's what I thought about when you brought the contract thing, like, so, you know, like, Michael Porter Jr., you know, he signed like five, 200 and he gets paid the same amount as like Kevin Durant. So it's like, you know, or like, you know, or if you just want to talk about like the superstars, like a John Wall or like a, or like a Beal, they get paid the same as Kevin Durant and LeBron. So it's like, um, yeah, you know, once you're at that confirmed, you know, stamped starting QB range, you're going to get paid what you're going to get paid. And so then, you know, your, your skill level only influences it so much. So for the team, it's it just, it's important to have that guy be as good as possible because you already know you're going to give up a certain amount of your cap to it. Um, That's where it's like, it came out the Giants wanted, like the Giants had Herbert over, like when the Giants were doing their work on the, the quarterbacks going into 2018 when they drafted, or 2019 when they drafted Dale Jones, they had Justin Herbert ahead of both him and Kyler Murray. But then you go into the 2020 draft, you still have questions on Daniel Jones. It's still a big question. Honestly, most people think he's a bottom tier quarterback that should be replaced. You have a chance to draft Justin Herbert. Yeah, well, I, you wouldn't, know, I wouldn't like, have knocked them there. No, well, well that's, well, you know, that's like the Cardinals, right? Who, who had the guts to say, okay, we don't like this Josh Rosen thing. Um, and we're going to bail out and draft Kyler. And, you know, maybe the Giants are too proud to, like, admit that they made a mistake and do something like that. Because if you draft Herbert at three, right, because this is the year they took uh, Andrew. Four. four, but same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault. Um, no problem. Wait, so who did they take this? Who did they take? They, they, they took Andrew Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and so basically, like, if you draft Herbert at four, you're broadcasting to the public, we made a mistake, like the Cardinals were willing to do when they drafted her, uh, Murray after drafting Rosen at seven. And, and I mean, the Giants are a little too proud to do that, right? With the, you know, the management ownership. Um, you know, obviously that's not what you want to hear, right, as a fan, but it, I'm just saying, you know, that might be the case. So, um, yeah, you know, I agree. You know, you could have done it. It's a gutsy move. Obviously, in hindsight, it would have paid off, you know, fantastically. But, you know, I can see why they would. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, everything they've done is beyond, is being mainly just being a proud organization that likes to live in the past. I, I It's the, it's not just the Giants that should have done it. I, I, I like that you brought up the Cardinals because that's a team that had the guts to do it. I, I just think in any team, if you don't have the guy where you're looking at it like, okay, like Seattle goes in this weekend, you're like, I know I'm getting Russ and I know he's going to be what he is, which is unreal, a top five quarterback. I don't want, I don't want that guy. And you should, I, I don't want the guy that's not, that I don't feel comfortable like that going in, into the game. And you should normally, you should know that after the first or sec, after the first season, if he's really that guy, I think, I think like the Bengals knew with Joe Burrow and the Chargers knew with Justin Herbert and the Dolphins knew, maybe we have some question about Tua and Tua hasn't silenced those at this moment. So I, I got a little bit of a tangent there, but you know, resulted back to uh, to Seattle and San Fran or Seattle San Fran with they know Russell Wilson's coming oh, in. Yeah, they know <laughs> they know Russell Wilson's coming in. I don't think they lose three games with him under center, and 
when you got Jimmy G against him on the opposite side, I'd rather take the odds of Russ. And especially when you're getting a three point hook there. I, I, I like that. Next up, we've got Baltimore versus Denver. And, you know, uh, I'll make this very quick. It was a rough day for your boy, Marquise Tyreek Hill, 2.0 Brown versus Detroit on Sunday. We were texting three (laughs) big drops, three big drops. I think we said it's so funny because, you know, the week before, as we were talking about, he was great against the Chiefs, you know, a a couple of really big plays. And then, um, dude, like, and I had Ravens spread. And you have to think if he made any of those plays, it might have hit. And uh, I think we settled it was like two and a half touchdowns is what you said he dropped. Like the Yeah, because two of them were clear. And then the one was, you know, it, it always hurts when you see a live, but then you see the replay of the ones that are tipped. And then, yeah, it still hit him in the hand, so he should have caught it, but it was wobbling and the trajectory changed. I get it. So I'll call it two and a half, um, including like the the one really sticks out to me where he was just like unbelievably wide open and just couldn't catch it. I mean, it, it was, it was oh like you, know, <laughs> you, you, you start supporting a guy, and this is what happens. This is why it's easier to be a hater. You know what I mean? You'd be, um, victor- you'd be victory lapping like all around, um, all around Philly right now if uh, if he had exactly, dude, exactly, exactly, man. But now you're the one doing the victory laps, so um, you know there you go. But you know, um, yeah, I'm sorry. So go ahead, go. Ahead. Uh, no, uh, well, I'm going back to the Detroit game is you know. I'm not even going to say I'm not even going into this. Maybe I'm going a little bit into it because I had Detroit money line for a little bit, but that was just ridiculous how they didn't call the delay a game at the end of like the play before the field goal attempt. I mean, I'm not the guy where it's like, Oh, the millisecond, it hits zero, zero. You gotta, you gotta blow the whistle, but that was on there for a good two, two to three seconds. And we saw that that field goal wasn't going in any further in distance. That was not going in. And that not, I think it was 67, right. Or was it 68? Whatever. It was not going one more yard back. So the fact that, they kind of swayed that game by that. That that was that was a little gut wrenching in that one. So we both kind of got hurt from that game. Uh, for this one, I mean, we you laid it out before. Denver's three and zero, but they've beaten the Giants, Jags, and Jets, and all those teams combined zero and nine at this point. Teddy's been great to start off the year. The team is fourth in pass DVOA, but how is he versus a good defense? And Baltimore's in that good like average at that average range right now, especially with the injuries they've had to Marcus Peters. And some of the other guys where they were missing him against Detroit. And now they bring in Rashad Bateman, their first round pick, the wide receiver for a position that they they need more production out of, not just Marquise Brown with his three drops, but just in general, they just need more guys. Miles Boykin, not it. Devin Duvernay, not it. Um, I'm going with Baltimore. I, I think they have the significant advantage at quarterback and head coach. I want to see Denver up against a good team before I pick them against a good team. I, we've seen them look very impressive against three really bad teams. And they've looked very, they've beaten who's in front of them. They've done it pretty handedly, but I just want to see them against a good team before I put them up again, before I pick them over one. And we've seen Baltimore up against two, two very good teams in, in uh, Kansas city and Las Vegas. And they went down to the wire they beat Kansas city in one and they went to the overtime against Las Vegas in the other and yes they narrowly beat detroit but again they if hollywood catches one or two of those touchdowns it's a completely different ball game yeah you know i think the ravens are better than the broncos uh but i think i'm gonna take the broncos here i just think that uh like their defense has been really good the only thing that concerns me is that you know i don't know if they're gonna be able to move the ball given that they don't have ham or judy but i still think you know you've tim patrick you've fan i mean you've guys um and, and and they should be able to run the ball a little bit too. So I, I think 
like I said, this is one of those games where even though I think the Ravens are a better team, I just kind of like the Broncos. Maybe, you know, the Ravens are going to have that sort of uh, like coming off the high or the hangover, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, after like the crazy Tucker field goal. Um, so I'll go with the Broncos here. Yeah, I, the spread right now is Denver minus one. It's pretty much a pick em. Denver's at home. So I, I could definitely see that the fact that, you know, Baltimore went to Detroit, has to go home, then go out to Denver and also the mile high air there. It's it's a different fact. It's a factor there where you have to kind of get accustomed to it, where the air. Yeah, t- yeah, Tucker and Denver, dude, maybe he can make it from <laughs> 70. <laughs> Set another record. I mean, I saw somebody that was like over under like five years before that gets broke. His record gets broken. They were like, oh, they were, I think it was, they said it over, but you know, maybe, maybe if he gets the opportunity here, he could break it in a week. I would, I would say over because you know, the, the opportunity, like how many times has what well, the record was like 64. How many times has that even been attempted? Right. Cause you don't, you don't just attempt that on a fourth down. It has to be a sort of unique end of half end of game situation and you have to be in that perfect spot between um right so that was from like the, the 48 yard line which is unbelievable right so you got to be in, in sort of that 48 to maybe even your own 48 fo- like yard line that's the very specific range you have to be at a very specific time so with that said you know there's only going to be five attempts a year if that on like selling 66 or longer um and so you can see it backfire as well, like we saw in Arizona, right? The 68 I was about to attempt. say, I was about to say that they they had the same, they had a similar attempt in yardage, and it would have broken yeah. the record too, um, and it went so, the other way. So, so with that said, it's so infrequent that it's even attempted, let alone happens. That for me, it, it'll be a long time. What if we saw like Denver? You know, it's just a blow, not even a blow. Just first drive, they get down to the 48, they're on 40, and like Justin, go out there, let's let's break the record one more time. it's always it's always so fun to watch and and, you know to to see how far these guys can kick it from um yeah it's just a great watch i mean you know and you see you see more and more it's like um you know guys make 55 yards with ease with room to spare and and which is which unthinkable when you know when i was a lot younger and watching football where it was you know anything above 50 would be very impressive. And and now it's sort of like, you got to make your 50 yarders like, you know, Mason Crosby 51 for the game. I don't want to call it a gimme, but you know, it's like, you got to make them man. And so that's just sort of how good these kickers are these days. So, you know, it's always fun to see those attempts, see sort of the uh, extent of their capabilities. So yeah, you know, I love to see it, especially in Denver where it's in the elevation, you have a chance. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely, it's, it's gut wrenching. It's not one of those, like, if you tell me he misses like, a high 50 yarder like 57 58 56 for the win i i can limit but if it's like the 50 to 51 like you, you feel like okay that's a guy like you should hit those i'm not like it's not like to the point where i'm like like f the kicker like you should have made this like it's not like in the 40s but it's one of those where it's like it's still gut-wrenching when you lose and it's not one of it's one of those where you like it, it's so like it's so makeable that you feel like you should make it but it's still tough it, it's just tough to gauge that for that one now we've got Tampa going to New England. Tampa favored by seven, and this is uh, this isn't the best matchup, but this is the most interesting one, I think. I mean, you got Brady coming home, you know, off a loss. We got all the news. We it, there's already started to pump. They've already started to pump the the content uh, across just really all media platforms like ESPN, NBC, um, Fox, just about this matchup. Uh, we'll go back to last week. I think things were too easy for the Rams versus Tampa that we were talking about their, their weak spot is the pass defense and they, they got exploited there. And now they're up against a rookie Mac Jones and, and an offense that really doesn't stretch the field, not nearly 
as much as the Rams do, but not really at all. And I think this Tampa defense matches up well with New England, their offense, given that they've got athletic linebackers like Devin White and Levante David and safeties who can cover pretty well in Antoine Winfield to guard Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. And then you really have to worry about what Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne on the outside. Meanwhile, the New England offensive line hasn't been strong out of the gate. Their offense, their run game ranks 18th in DVOA. And we know Tampa's run defense is elite. So they, they should be able to stymie them there. And, Tampa's offense. I, I don't think I don't think New England D, especially with Stephon Gilmore, is going to have the guys to really match up with the with who they've got with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. I think I think um, here's the thing. Everything you said is true, right? And so the Patriots are going to throw out, which probably isn't going to look good. Um, the spread seven. I um, rationally would take the Bucks minus seven, but I'm sort of going to convince myself that like you know, whether it be Belichick or the defense or, or Brady or whatever, it's just that, like, I kind of think he's going to have a bad game. Like, you know, whether they bust out some, like, you know, secret defense or, or whatever. And, and so I'm sort of, you know, going to probably talk myself into the narrative a little bit and take New England. And then when I look back at, you know, my betting weekend and I look back at New England plus seven when they lost by 24, I'm going to be like, what the hell was I thinking? And I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, it was that secret defense that, that didn't exist. So, you know, I'll probably take New England just because um, even though, like, yeah. So I guess, you know, if I had to pick and spread New England, of course, take Tampa to win the game. I don't really see that. I mean, that'd be something. Um, I think this will probably be a bad game for for one Mac Jones, right? Because, um, because you know, I think I think the Bucks D-line is going to be back there a lot. So I, I think it's going to be a bad game for him. And I think he's looked pretty bad, honestly. Do you think Bill's been like game planning for this one since the schedule came out? Like when the schedule came out, he's like, okay, we know we got the Tampa coming at week four. We know Tom's coming and you know, it's starting to match up. Like, Oh, he'll, he'll break the passing yards record probably when he gets here. I got to come out and I got to, I got to shut him down. He's been just like formulating just different stuff he can do. And look, there's probably nobody that knows Tom better and his weaknesses and how to game plan for him than Bill Belichick. But uh, you know, I still don't think they have the guys to really hold them from sc- and stopping them from scoring 24 plus. And at that point, you're sh- this is shaping up squarely to be on Mac Jones's shoulders where he's got to put up some points against this Tampa defense. And look, they haven't been great, but I don't, I don't think he's putting up, I don't think he's putting up 24 plus and off a loss. I think Brady comes in super motivated, not only off a loss, but obviously because he's coming to New England, he's got to show up Belichick and, you know, maybe the fans are a little convinced, a little confused. I could about, see, about I was just thinking, I could him. see Mac. I can see Mac Jones getting booed a little bit. Wow. I, yeah. that, 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 I, I think that's, that, that's tough to say. That would be tough to say. I, 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 you know, they're, they're getting, they're getting smoked. He gets booed. He gives one of those. Yeah. Well, they're supposed to boo in the post game presser. I mean, I could already see, I could see it now. So we'll ooh, see. That, that, that'd be tough. I, I was going to say, I think they'll be conflicted about rooting against him against Tom while still obviously rooting for the Patriots. Cause I feel like they, that, that, that's a tough spot. You got to be in. I, I don't know. I really, any- I think for, for me, that's one of those first quarter, first half, you, you sort of root for both sides. And then as the game develops, you know, hopefully it's a close game. And, and then you just say, you know, enough's enough. We got, we got to pull for the, for the bucks here. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean the Pats? Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. So all in all, I, I'd go Tampa spread. I just don't think the offense for New England will be able to muster enough points for them to keep it close. I think that, I think, t- New England doesn't have the guys on defense really to stop Tampa offense. And I don't think the New England offense really has the guys to put, to put up the points on the defensive side, uh, like against this Tampa defense. 
Now we'll fin- finish it off Monday night football, the three and O Las Vegas Raiders versus the two and one Los Angeles chargers chargers right now favored by three and a half. And, you know, each week I doubt the Raiders and each week they prove me wrong and they have been cars playing at an MVP level. They've got playmakers all around the field deep for him to get the ball in their hands. And the defense has been pretty stout 12th and ninth versus pass and rush according to DVOA. But, you know, like that GTA meme where it's like, ah, shit, here we go again. I'm going against them and I'm picking the chargers. I mean, you look at their wins now and Pittsburgh looks like a bottom 10 team. They just look absolutely atrocious. Yeah. And Baltimore is barely able to squeeze by the lines. You know, I, I talked it up before that the, the Marquise Brown, if he catches a couple of touchdowns, it's a different story, but they still, they took him to overtime with. That's with like, that's such threes. a, ne- that's such a negative slant on, uh, on them because they're also the same team who beat the Chiefs. Yeah. But, you know, we, we can call them the team that barely no. beat the Lions if that's what fits the narrative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think those DVO ranks are in large part because they've played Big Ben and Jacoby Brissett as two of the quarterbacks in those games. And there's not much fear that sets in you and that leads to you ranking in the top half and in the top 12 in pass and rush DVOA. And now you go in against Justin Herbert, who, like we said earlier, is probably a top seven to top 10 quarterback in the game right now. And this Chargers defense has been middle of the road for DVOA against the pass, but has also gone up against explosive pass defenses in Dallas and Kansas City, who are two of, if not the most explosive pass offenses, and they rank 15. So I think I'd rather I feel better about their ranking than I do about Vegas's 12th ranking, given who they've played. I think that the Chargers might actually be above average and the Raiders defense could be more so below average when it comes to pass defense, given the offense they've gone against. Yeah, I um, I'm sort of on the on the Raiders bandwagon. Uh, I just like I like it. I've always been a huge Gruden guy. Um, you know, Spider Two, I Banana, and all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and, and you know, I like them. I I look around at the team, and you know, when last year I might have said, "Wow, it's only Waller." Now I look at Ruggs is legit. Zay Jones is legit. Edwards is legit. Hunter Renfro is legit. You know, Jacobs hasn't even been playing. And I think that they're legit as a, as a unit. You know, their line is good. Um, when did Max Crosby become a top 10 defensive lineman in the league? I mean, seriously, the guy's there every freaking play. It's unbelievable. I honestly like um, really impressed with him. And, and I just, uh, you know, the defense is no longer the laughing stock that it used to be. I still don't think it's so good, but, um, you know, it's getting there. All right. And, and I think, uh, as I've said before, that maybe that's all you can ask for, right? If they make like a couple clutch stops and key, in key moments, and maybe that's all you need. Um, so I'm just going to go with the Raiders, frankly, because I like them more, right? I'm, I'm just, what is it with me and the Chargers? I just cannot get behind them. I really have a problem with them. I think it's because I never liked Herbert in college and, and, and it's just sort of like this. Uh, I think like, you know, people in the media like freak out about them and it's like, Oh, the chargers and like, Oh, it's this new guy. And like, he's amazing. He's amazing. And I just like, you know, I don't see it quite like that. And I just, so for that reason, I end up always rooting against them. Um, what what do they yeah. have to, Is there something they have to do? I mean, they went into Arrowhead, they beat KC, they put up I'm 30. Not- Maybe I need to like maybe I need to like unearth some like uh some like what's it called some like uh like hidden memories from my childhood with the Chargers and like maybe I have something like going on there. But we need to get you and Justin Herbert in a room. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> seriously. Um, Hash it out. This unknown beef that he 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 probably knows. He probably listens to the pod. Yeah, so maybe he, he probably Colin, knows maybe Colin could moderate. I mean, yeah. um, so now nah, honestly, well, as far as what they have to do, 
it's tough, right? Because I said they had to score 30 and they went out and did it. And, and they, they were inf- and they were effective in the red zone. That was like the big yeah. thing that we took away from the tr- the the Cowboys game and that, the football team so game. True. They weren't putting in the end zone. In that game, they did. I just think like, like for me, like Josh Allen is still better than him, right? Because Josh Allen can score forty. I still don't think Herbert can score forty. See how I'm moving it out from thirty to forty. <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> I'll say that I'll, I'll put Josh Allen ahead of him right now because Josh Allen's played in the MVP level for the entire season. And we haven't seen Justin Herbert do that, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, we can move the Like I was moving the goalpost for the, the lions and the, 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 yeah. the for the, yeah. Allow me to like, move oh, it just now to, yeah. Like, okay. If they beat, I will say this, if they beat the Raiders this week, no matter what, even if I'm like, all right, this was a BS win and the Raiders do Raiders things. Um, then, I, then I'll be it. Be who would have thought going into this this season if I told you like oh the Chargers two and one but you still won't believe them but if they beat the Raiders then you'll believe about them. Chargers two and one, third place in the division. Only team they're above is the Chiefs. Jeez, crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I would have thought the Chiefs for sure would be at least two and one, probably three and zero heading out of that slate. Um, All right, I so I wouldn't have been surprised about the Chargers being two and one though. I, I so also let's, want to let's get into picks. Let's yes. get let's get into the picks. Um, all yeah, right, week four, last week, last week another winning week for both of us. I am six and three on the season. You are seven and two. I went two and one with a teaser of Colts plus eleven and a half and Rams plus seven and a half and one with Miami plus four and lost with my Giants losing. I had them Giants minus three and then you went two and one with Tennessee minus five and a half and then the Jets Denver under 41 but lost with that Cardinals Jacksonville over 51 and a half lost by one and a half I I I tailed you on that one come Sunday morning I was like you know what I'm gonna take it and lost by a point and a half which is yep now it hurt so all right you know, so, uh, 13 and five off, off the rip through the first three weeks. That, that, that is some serious, uh, yeah, that, that, that is making some serious money right now. If you are tailing the pod at this point, I'll let you go first with the, with your pick though. Okay. I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with the Detroit lions plus three. I think they've looked better than the bears. Um, this line has come down from like, four to like six i saw it at one point so it's you know a little unfortunate that i get it now but um i think i think the lines covered three points you know somewhat easily i mean um yeah i just i think the bears are really really bad they don't even know who their starter is there's three different options i mean at least the lions have golf and they know it's golf i mean that's got to count for something and they've been you know putting up a fight against good teams so for me they're the better team and we're and i'm getting three points yeah, they've been feisty, and like you said, with the the unknown at quarterback, whether it's going to be Andy Dolan, Justin Fields, Nick Foles, and it doesn't seem like Matt Nagy has any really inkling to uh, to adjust his offensive scheme to what his quarterback is. It just leads me to believe that this they, they're not going to adapt, really, and that it's not like they're really that much better than the Lions, and the Lions have been a feisty team that really battles back towards the end of the season, or towards the end of games, I should say, and makes it closer. For me, my first one is a six-point tease of Kansas City minus one and Tampa minus one. Both these teams off a loss, the two, in my opinion, the two best teams in each conference going up against each other. Or, yeah, I I just think there's no way that they both lose two games. And at this point, minus one, minus one against two pretty inferior teams with Kansas City going to, to Philly and Tampa going to New England. I don't think there's any way both these teams lose again. I mean, Tampa's not going to lose a second time, and I don't think Brady's losing 
in New England when he's going to break the passing yards record. And then I also think don't think Kansas City is losing twice or three times in a row. Three times in a row. I, I was talking about Russell Wilson not going to do it. I, I don't think there's any way in hell, especially to a team like the Eagles, no offense. Yep. No, I, I, I agree. I, I don't see it at all. All right, my second pick, um, Ravens-Broncos under 45. Um, just don't know where the points are coming from, honestly. You know, this is a teens-to-teens type game for me, uh, especially with given the injuries and, you know, Hollywood Brown's inability to catch a ball when I need it. Uh, so – yeah, I like the under there, 40, 40 uh, uh, what was it, 45? Denver Denver coming in clutch for you. They came in last week, and, you know, they're, the fact that they held the Jets to zero just, Yo, just locked it in. I'm watching I'm watching that game. I'm like, I hope Denver doesn't score 45 by themselves and screw me over. Um, Straight up. The because... Jets could not move the ball at all. I was working that game, and just the distraught that uh, Bob O'Shoes and, and the other play-by-play guys had during it, just trying to just trying to fill the time and trying to explain what the Jets are doing offensively is just – it was just depressing, downright depressing. We still have no idea about the Broncos but, no. but because, because of who they played. We still have yeah. no idea. So, you know, I, I just like the under, especially given the injuries uh, to some of those Broncos weapons. Like I said, this for me, this is like a 17-13 kind of game. Mm-hmm. My next one is I got Browns minus two in the Minnesota against Minnesota. Minnesota defense is bad, both versus the pass and the rush. When it comes to DVOA ranking in the bottom 10, Cleveland is top 10 in both pass and rush. O DVOA. And I, you know, Dalvin's still banged up. I, I think that the, I think the Browns just control the game and, you know, Kevin Stefanski knows about Mike Zimmer. Mike a little, Zimmer sta- little Stefanski revenge game. Exactly. I think, I think, I think coming off that big win that Minnesota had against Seattle, where they got their first one of the season, the Browns are just taking care of business. And, you know, Odell, his second game back, he got worked in the offense the first game, and I think looked pretty pretty good. And I think he should be able to torch this Minnesota secondary that has not – I mean, as much as I wanted them to take the next step, I don't think they have been uh, from last season. Okay, uh, so for my final pick um, – I like that one, by the way. I do. Um, for my final pick – I'm deciding between a couple that I've written down. I'm going to go with, um, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with the G-Men plus seven and a half oh in New Orleans. Well, I don't even know if they actually play in New Orleans. No, I, they, I think this one they are. I think this is the first game. Okay. Oh, well, you know, that narrative-wise, it's kind of a disaster. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think – I don't know if the Saints are a blowout type team, you know, Packers game aside. Um, and I guess they kind of beat the Patriots by a lot too. I don't know. I just see the Giants hanging in there. I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe it's the the fact that, you know, the fans were so mad last week and so disappointed. I just, I just sort of see them hanging around um, and potentially even winning this game. You know, it's one of those, um, I don't know, one of those picks that doesn't make a ton of sense. But, yeah, it, honestly, those are the ones that end up hitting a lot. So, yeah, Giants seven and a half miles pick. Look, they blew, they blew out the, the Patriots, but they were the defense was also able to force a bunch of turnovers. They had that pick six. They were able to put the offense in good situations to put up points. And Jameis also got away with a couple a couple potential, like, interceptions. Dude, like that. that I, was on, I was on the Patriots, and, like, that one touchdown. Yeah, the one where he's, like, fading back. Getting tackled. What the f- what the <laughs> fuck is and then like and then and then I see him go over to the sideline and I'm assuming the conversation went like this. I was like, yeah, like we got it, right? And then Sean Payton's like, dude, never do that again. Like 
Yeah, no, he and he had the couple. Of, he had one of those, I think, against the uh, against the Packers week one. The Giants weren't able to come up with those type of plays against the Falcons. They haven't really been able to throughout the entire season to start it off. But I mean, Jameis will give them the opportunity to do it. Daniel Jones hasn't been turning over the ball. Like I was talking about before, Jason Garrett has called a very conservative game. They haven't been stretching the field and it has led to less turnovers, which should in fact lead to just less easy opportunities for this Saints defense. And, you know, maybe, maybe the Giants defense steps up. They played well against the Falcons. Obviously the Falcons offense isn't really anything I'm going to hold my hat on. Like, Oh, the Giants held them to 17 points or an elite defense again, but um, it's still a good number to hold them under. They had weapons there. And I'm not going to say the saints are a significantly better offense. Um, I, I don't, I don't hate it, especially since it's a lot of points and you get the hook on the seven there. So there's definitely potential for you to uh, get the backdoor cover there. My last one is the football team minus two. Um, wait one second. Uh, just need, I need to double check one thing. I just want to double check. This line is still the same. Yeah, it's still two. Oh, uh, yeah. Against, I also needed to check who they were playing. I just had it written down Washington football team minus two. Football team against the Falcons. I mean, I said it last week. I don't think the Falcons are good. Their defense isn't good. Their offense, I mean, put up 17 points against the Giants defense who hadn't really shown out for most of the season. I think the football team coming off a loss and their defense just getting absolutely embarrassed by Josh Allen and that offense. I think they come out hungry. And this is another another team where their defense, like the Giants heading into last week against Atlanta, hadn't shown up for most of the season. I think they get back on track against an Atlanta team that I think is a little overrated offensively. Um, oh, very. And I think Taylor Heineke should be able to move the ball more so than what the Giants were able to do with Daniel Jones and get the ball into their playmakers' hands. Um, so to recap, I got Browns minus two, a six point tease of Kansas City minus one and Tampa minus one. And then the football team minus two. George, you got Lions plus three, Baltimore, Denver under 45. And then the Giants, I don't I mean, I'll pray for you. I, I, I could not muster myself to subject myself to watching the Giants again and hoping for a bet to hit. But Giants plus seven and a half to end it off. We are I'm six and three, Georgia seven, two, 13 and five overall on the season. Let's continue this hot streak, continue the two and one slash three and a weeks. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.